you guys are here tonight. Like I actually said that in the video, but yeah, our mission is to see you guys grow. Our mission is to equip you guys to do the work of Christ. I think a big misconception in the church that we actively fight is that ministry happens on the stage. That is not true. Ministry happens out in the schools, out in our families, out in the world. And the purpose of this is to equip you guys, to encourage you guys, and to give you guys the tools you need to do the ministry of God. So we're very excited for that. I'm so glad you guys are here with us tonight. Before we continue with the service, I have just a quick announcement. Tomorrow night is our TNT, and that is Thursday Night Thunder. That is a night of prayer and worship that is hosted by Journey Church. So you'll see the whole, like hopefully most of the church is going to be there. I want to invite you guys personally to be there. It's again tomorrow night, 7 p.m. You can expect it to be from 7 to 9 p.m. And if you know somebody that's been to TNT, I guarantee you they have a story or a testimony of something powerful that has happened in that night. And I tell people this all the time, but it was actually at a TNT where I felt very strongly the Lord impressed me to be called to youth ministry. And so I believe that God can still moving, he's still speaking, and we just need to put ourselves in the environment and give God the opportunity to move. Amen? Awesome. So I will hope to see every one of you guys there. It's going to be a great time tomorrow night, 7 p.m., this building. I really hope to see you guys there. So we're going to get into the message. Um, I need to ask somebody to come up and pray over the night and to count us off. Is there anybody in here that wants to do that? Anybody at all that wants to speak? I've got a can of pop here for myself, so if you don't have pop, that's okay too. Does anybody want to do that? I will can start calling hands. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Give him a round of applause, you guys. It is Connor. Hey, I don't care if it's two times in a row, so I'm going to actually hand this to you and just speak a blessing over us. God, I pray that we would just be able to focus on you tonight and that we would take to impact what Sean says and that we would have a great rest of the week. And amen. Amen. Could you actually hold it for me as I count us off? I've, I've like never done this before, guys. I'm so excited. Okay. Three, two, one. Oh, that, was thank you. that was a good one, Sean. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. I feel so special. And I just spilled it. Okay. It's good. This was actually given to me by Addie and Carson, this Sprite here. I, I thank you guys. Um, as Kelsey spoiled for me, it is my birthday today. Uh, I, so as you grow up and become an adult, you end up working on your birthdays. Um, but for me, you know, I'm employed at the church, and I, I can honestly say, like, Wednesday and Wednesday nights, they don't feel like work. It's so much fun. I it's like my favorite day of the week is to spend... Um, did the morning and afternoon preparing for tonight and then just spending the whole evening with you guys. It's a blast. Uh, I get to hang out like before six o'clock and a lot of times after eight o'clock um, just with friends and you guys and some of my friends that are also volunteering here. So it's really an honor and a blessing to be able to serve you guys well. So, okay, we are uh, wrapping up. Next week is the last week of the 100 Day Dare. Can you guys believe that? It's been, it's almost been a hundred days. April 10th is the end of the hundred day dare. We are almost finished with it. If you guys don't know hundred day dare journey challenged everybody to do four different dares. Um, one of those dares was to read along with the Bible reading plan that gives you an overview of all of the Bible. It gives like the highlight reel of the top like hundred passages of the Bible. Um, so it's been a long journey, but I am very excited to finish it because um, we've been preaching along messages with the hundred day dare. And honestly, I'm a guy that's like, 
you know, I like change. I like movement. I like activity. So doing the same sermon series for 100 days can wear my mind a little bit. So I'm really excited to start doing more sermon series. But I believe it's been very powerful for me, and I hope you guys have had the same experience. But the passage I want to focus on is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to hang out in that passage all night. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, So prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, I have a New King James translation of the Bible, and it's, I use that as my study Bible. Um, I really like the translation a lot. And so when I was reading this passage in the New King James, the first verse in verse 13 words it like this. So let's put it up. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. So my title for the message tonight is Gird Up the Loins of Your Mind. Alternate title, Gird Up Your Mind. <laughs> Keep it just a little bit more appropriate there. Gird up your mind. Um, so for historical context, I was like, okay, what in the heck does gird up the loins of your mind even mean? So I looked up what it means to gird up your loins in context of Bible times. I've got an image here of like a how-to you want me to put up the image? Yeah, so like, you know, so you've got like a guy in a tunic, right? Because that's what they wore. I think, yeah, that's a tunic. Um, I actually want to read this for you guys. It says, the tunic wouldn't allow you to do heavy labor or fight in battle, necessitating the girding of one's loins. First, hoist the tunic up so that all the fabric is above your knees. This will give you mobility. Gather all the extra material in front of you so that the back of the tunic is snug against your backside. Once the excess fabric is gathered in the front, pull it underneath between your legs to your rear. This feels much like a diaper. I'm sure, I'm sure it did. Gather half of the material in each hand, bring it back around to the front. Finally, tie the two handfuls of material together and you're all set for both battle and some hard labor. Go forth, be ye men, and gird up your loins. So you can go home and tell your parents that Pastor Sean told you to gird up your loins. Please don't do that. <laughs> Gird up your mind. How about there? So when I believe the author of First Peter is Peter, when he's telling us to gird up the loins of your mind, um, he is telling us to take action. He's telling us, prepare your mind, prepare your thinking, prepare the way you do things because you have a fight ahead and you have some hard labor. He's telling us, prepare your mind because you've got to take ground, you've got some fight to do, and you've got some hard labor to work. Last week, I talked about how we need to take ground, how as Christians, we need to be on the offensive. We need to be advancing. We need to be taking ground. But I want us to learn that before we can take ground, we got some girding to do. Before we can take ground, in order to start advancing, we need to gird up the loins of our mind. Girding up, we need to gird up our mind. Because listen, you can't take ground and you can't set people free if you yourself are in bondage right? You, you can't do that if you yourself are in bondage, if you yourself are stuck in sin, if you yourself are addicted. You, it, it's going to be much more difficult to do that. And so what he's saying here is we need to exercise self-control. We need to prepare our minds. We need to do those things to prepare ourselves so that we can fight, so that we can do hard labor. 
something, and spe something specifically that I want to talk about, like a particular bondage, is the bondage of fear. The bondage of fear. Who here has ever felt afraid at least one point in their life? Awesome. Everybody here. At some point, we have all felt afraid. You know, uh, fear is not always a bad thing. Uh, there are times when fear is actually a good thing. Uh, fear, because fear is, you know, you, you see a possible scenario, a possible future that you don't like, that you're uncomfortable with, you are afraid of the outcome. And so a lot of times the process when we encounter fear looks like this. It looks like you go from fear to preparation to resolution. An example, you know, let's say you're trying to survive in the woods, okay? And you fear that it's going to rain soon. So what you do, you, you fear, you think about it, you prepare for it, you put up like a tarp or something over your head so that you don't get wet, and the fear is resolved because you solved the problem. Something in my life that I deal with, uh, it's gonna sound silly, but I'm sure some of you guys can agree. If I have an important phone call with a doctor coming up, I don't like it. I don't like making phone calls. I'm 24 years old. I hate making phone calls just to be real with you guys. So I'm afraid of that and I think about it and I prepare. I start thinking of different you know, possibilities of what the doctor's gonna ask me. I start thinking of what I'm gonna say if he says this, what am I gonna do if he says that? And then I feel prepared, so my fear is gone. My fear is resolved. Most of it is gone. And the thing is that a lot of times this works. A lot of times we do this, we fear, we prepare, we think, we resolve it. But what happens when we have a fear and we think about it, and we think about it, and we feel about it, and we feel about it, and we still don't feel prepared. If we have a fear, if we have anxiety about a situation, if we have a fear about a possible future, and no matter how much we think about it, we don't feel prepared, and it feels out of our control. What happens when we fear about a situation that is beyond us, that is beyond our control? I think the process looks something like this. Let's put up the next one. It goes from fear to think, and we don't feel resolved, we don't feel prepared, so it goes to more fear, it goes to overthinking, and it goes to fear to think, to fear to feel, to fear to overfeel, to fear to think. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I wanna be real and say, this is something I struggle with. This is something I am currently struggling with this week, is a cycle of fear and overthinking and fear and overfeeling and fear and overthinking. This is something I believe all of us at some point in our lives are going to come across. And that's why it's so important to understand why we think this way and why this happens to us and what we can do about it. It's, this happens because we are afraid of a possibility. So we think about it, we try to prepare, we try to go in the natural and say, okay, what am I gonna do if? What am I gonna do with? But in this scenario, it's, it's out of our control. It's too much. It's either we're afraid of something that we did, that we messed up really bad, or we're afraid of something that's out of, like completely, like something somebody else said they're gonna do or something somebody else did. And no matter how much we think about it, no matter how much we feel about it, the process is gonna keep looping. It's never ending until either the outcome is resolved on its own or the fear, the greatest fear has come true. Because when we think about it or feel about it, 
you are causing the fear or the anxiety to grow. We're causing the fear and the anxiety in us to take root inside of our brains. Because fear and anxiety is like a seed in our mind. You know, when we first encounter a situation that we are afraid of, you know, when we first think about it, the opportunity is first presented to us, I want you guys to imagine that it's like a farmer dropping a seed into the soil of our brain and saying, hey, this is something you should be afraid of. And again, fear is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes there are things to be afraid of. This is something to be afraid of. And if we can't, and a lot of times we resolve it, We, we, we feel the fear, we think about the fear, we think about it, we prepare for it, we resolve. By doing that, we are naturally flicking the seed off of our brain. But again, if we encounter a situation that we're not prepared for, we, feel that we, we, we see the fear in our brain as the seed, we think about it, but the fear doesn't go away. We feel about it, we feel about it, we feel about it up late at night, and it still is not going away. Every time we encounter fear in our brain, the, the seed of fear is just growing roots. The seed of fear is just growing. And so when we encounter a situation, the seed stays there if we, if we don't feel like it is resolved. It doesn't only stay there, but in that process, let's put up the second process again of the fear. In that process, every time we come across the word fear in our process, the seed, the roots go deeper. The roots go wider. The seed gets deeper and stronger because what we magnify grows. In our brain, what is important and what is priority, what we magnify, it grows. And that's true in the natural, that's true in our physical brains, like scientists have proven that. But that's also true in the spiritual, that what we magnify grows because magnification of something is a lot like worship, right? And really, that is worship. So what we magnify, it grows. Each time we think about fear, each time we feel fear, it is like we are watering that seed. Each time we water, the roots go deeper. Each time we water, the plant gets a little bigger. It takes up more space, gets a little bit more comfier in our brain. And because our brains, they're like little terrariums. Like, it's like I said, we've got the soil of our brain, and we've got the watering method, which is our thoughts, and it's our magnification. We have the power and ability to control our brains by our thoughts, actions, and emotions. When we think about fear, it's like we're creating a little rain cloud over the seed of fear and watering it. And the same is true for other things. If we think about anxiety, we're, we're, we're creating a little rain cloud over anxiety and watering it. When we think about peace, when we think about good things, we're watering those things as well. Our brain is a terrarium because what we magnify grows. So we keep, as we're in the cycle of fear, that we feel like we can't get out of no matter how many times we think about it. And again, you don't have to be in this cycle of fear I'm describing to you right now, but I, I hope you guys are taking notes and like preparing for it because I believe at some point we're going to encounter this. And that seed is growing. And eventually, as the seed's roots get deep enough, just like a, tr- like to, like a plant in real life, the, the seed, the plant, is able to weather a storm because the roots are deep enough. The plant is able to weather some, rain, some wind, and that seed can begin to take on a life of its own. And I believe what this looks like in the spiritual, what this looks like to our soul, is that we begin to feel fear even when we aren't thinking about it or, fe- or wanting to feel about it. I don't know if you guys have experienced this or not, but you, you, you're, first you're afraid, and you feel anxiety and fear towards the situation when you think about it. But eventually, as you continue to think about it and continue to feel about it day in and day out, you begin to feel fear or feel anxiety or feel whatever you're thinking about on its own without you triggering it. 
You begin to feel it. You begin to feel anxiety even when you don't decide, even if you didn't decide to think about something anxious. You begin, and this works for a lot of things. The seed could be lust. If you continue to water lust, if you continue to water it, you begin to feel that, that feeling even beyond you wanting to. It goes for anger. If you, if you begin to have a seed of anger and you keep watering and, re, and sowing anger, you're going to be angry and rage is going to boil up inside of you even when you didn't want to, or even if you don't want to feel that. It just gets bigger because what we water grows, what we magnify grows. And what's worse, <laughs> I know I'm painting like a really negative picture here, but it's going to get better. What's worse though is that the roots that we water are going to spread to the other parts of our brain and affect other things. You go from being fearful about a situation to being a fearful person. You go from being angry about a person or angry about a situation to being an angry person. Because again, the roots have taken up our mind and they've taken a bigger spot in our mind because our brains have a limited capacity. So what I'm describing to you, the Bible actually acknowledges, and the Bible a lot of times call this a, calls this a stronghold. If you've seen that word in the Bible before, this is what I'm talking about. It calls it a stronghold. It also calls it a spirit. What I'm describing to you is the spirit of fear. It's the spirit of anger. It's the spirit of lust. You know, I talked last week about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, if you weren't here for that, I talked about how, you know, that verse, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this world. And we have three wrestling stances that we can take, and it's an order of progression. The first stance is you are unaware and you're, unoblivious, and you're oblivious of the fight. You know, you're just kind of wandering. You're not aware that a fight's going on, and you're not aware of the spiritual world. The second stance is a defensive stance. You're taking on the hits. You're taking on uh, devil's attacks. You're fighting back, but you're not taking ground. The third stance is an advansive stance. It's an offensive stance where you're taking ground. You're setting other people free, not just yourself. So we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the spiritual world. And we do that because Satan's mission is to decrease the population of heaven and increase and cause suffering among God's children. But the, the thing with Satan is that Satan isn't everywhere. He's not omnipresent. He, he doesn't know everything. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So what he does is Satan has helpers. It's Satan's little helpers. Now, <laughs> that sounds like a really bad Christmas horror movie, Satan's little helpers. But it's true. Satan has helpers. The Bible calls them spirits. The Bible calls them powers. They calls them snakes and scorpions. And so there is, it's the spirit of fear. It's the spirit of lust, the spirit of anger. So the point is that if you're dealing with a seed of fear in your mind, then you can't deal with this on your own power, right? Because if you could deal with this on your own power, you would have dealt with it. You don't want to, nobody wants to live in fear. Nobody wants to live in anxiety. No one wants to live in anger. If you could have dealt with it on your own power, it would have already been gone. Just like I said at the beginning, if you could have, if you had the capacity to deal with it, you would have dealt with it. And the truth is there are situations that we come across that we cannot deal with on our own power. If you could deal with it, you would have dealt with it. So tonight I want to teach you guys how we can uproot current bad seeds. I want to teach us how we can spot bad seeds, how we can uproot them, and how we can begin to plant good seeds. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For though we walk in flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare 
are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. There's that word, strongholds. When you see, when you see strongholds, just imagine the roots of a, the roots of a spirit, roots of a feeling, of a negative emotion. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion erased against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when we are dealing with these spiritual problems, we need to remember that there is, we have to measure that with the right uh, solution. We have to attack it with the right thing. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions, right? Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. I've, I've come, stumbled across an old meme. Let's throw that up there. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. That one's ancient. That meme is ancient. That was around when I was a kid. I'm not that old. But let's, okay, take that off there. Take it off there. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. And it's like, you know, imagine you're trying to measure the temperature outside with a ruler, right? It's, it's not going to work. You know, if you're trying to, you know, measure the length of something with a thermometer, right? It, you have to use the right tools to accomplish the right problems. You have to attack the right thing to uh, get the right results. So in uprooting the bad things and planting the good, step one is spot the spiritual. Spot the spiritual. Identify in your life what is a spiritual stronghold, what is a spirit of fear, what has taken roots in my mind. Matthew 7, verse 16, you, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick up grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So if you're trying to identify the spiritual, if you're trying to identify what in your life is spiritual or supernatural, we need to look at the fruits. If whenever you encounter fear, if you feel like it's out of control, or if you feel uncontrolled emotions or thoughts, if, even if you didn't want to feel that, if you feel like you're thinking things or feeling things that you didn't want or expect to think, then I would say more likely than not, it would be a spiritual, spiritual stronghold. If you feel like it's out of control. It's, it's like what I said earlier about roots. If you don't need a trigger for it to happen, if it's consistent, if it's unreasonable, if it's uncontrollable, then I would say more likely than not, it's a spirit. And so, like I said, what I'm dealing with currently in my life, in this past few weeks, it, feel, it feels uncontrollable. It feels like it's reoccurring. It feels like no matter how much I think about it, I can't prepare for it. it. I will feel afraid random times throughout my day, even when I'm not thinking about it. And so what I did and what, I, what I'm still doing is I'm spotting that and I'm saying, okay, this is not me. This is not normal. And I cannot deal with this with natural solutions. I need to deal with this as a spiritual problem. At some point, the door was open for the seed to be planted and it was allowed to stay there. At some point in my past, however long, I opened up a door and allowed it to take root in my life. And now I need to uproot it. And now that's what we need to do. So step number two is uproot the bad seed. We need to uproot the bad seeds and the bad roots from our life. And again, in the natural, this is next to impossible. In the spiritual, however, it is a different story. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Somebody say amen to that. There is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the what? Spirit, 
makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It says very clearly, it's not our power that is setting us free, but it's Jesus' power that's setting us free. There are things that we can do to put ourselves in opportunities and situations to give Jesus that opportunity, to give us the opportunity, but ultimately it is Jesus' power. And as long as he is willing, which is all the time, then if we're seeking the Lord and we're magnifying him, he can and will set us free. It's through the Holy Spirit. You know, we call it the Holy Spirit. It's this set-apart spirit. It's the set-apart for God's spirit. It's the spirit above all other spirits that can set us free. Freedom from bondage or seeds or roots or whatever you want to call it comes through getting closer and closer to Jesus and becoming more like his glorious image. And freedom from Jesus can happen in just a moment. It can happen in an instant, in an instant of where you're praying with other believers or you're praying with your mentor, you're praying with a leader. It can happen in an instant. Sometimes it does. And other times it's a slow burn. Other times it doesn't happen in an instant, but maybe that process was started through prayer. Maybe that process was started through a word somebody gave you and it takes a while to have that come to completion. Freedom comes through prayer. Freedom comes through fasting. Freedom comes through getting closer, closer to Jesus. So step one is to spot the spiritual. Step two is uproot the bad seed, which we do by getting closer to Jesus. We do that by identifying that it's a spiritual issue, that we need to attack it with our spiritual tools. And finally, step three is we need to sow good seeds. Sow good seeds. So once we have begun the process of freedom, it's time to start sowing. It's time to start allowing the good seeds in our lives because you don't want an empty mind. You want your mind to be so full of Jesus and his glory and his works that there's not even room for a bad seed. There's not even room for a bad seed. You don't give any room or foothold to the enemy. And I know my message tonight was, could be taken as a little bit negative, a little bit dark, but I'm setting up the concept of how our mind works, of how the spiritual works, of how our brain is like a terrarium, how our brain is like a soil. Because everything I've said about the bad seeds is also to be said about the good seeds. When we plant peace in our life, every time we think about and choose to think about peace, we are watering peace. Every time we think about peace, every time we water peace, peace, peace seeds and roots are getting deeper in our brain. Eventually, the plant, the root of peace is gonna be able to weather a storm. Eventually, peace is going to happen to us even when we don't choose to think about peace. Eventually, peace is going to be able to handle a situation. And eventually, God's going to be able to use that peace to spread it to other parts of our brain and to take up space in our brain so that there's not room for anything else. Eventually, when we are seeking peace in a specific situation, if we keep watering peace, that's going to spread to other situations. So you become a person that's not just peaceful about a situation, but you become a peaceful person. This is true for everything. If you're wanting purity, you can think about purity, you open the door. It's gonna be hard at first. It's gonna take some time to get roots. You cannot be instantly perfect at this. Nobody is. But if you want to start planting the seed of purity, you allow it in. You intentionally have to think about it. You intentionally water it. And eventually, the roots of purity are gonna go deeper. And eventually, it's gonna be able to weather a storm. Eventually, it's gonna to spread to other parts of your mind. And eventually you're not pure about a situation, but now you are a pure person. 
Satan cannot create, he can only twist. What does that mean? Satan cannot create seeds. He cannot create bad issues. He cannot create problems. He takes something that's good from God and he twists it. He makes like an evil clone of it. Like you see in like every cartoon, there's like always an episode with evil clones of people. He takes purity, he grabs that, he twists it, he crushes it in his hand and he presents to you lust. And a lot of times I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it so many times that you're usually the, the place you have the most potential in, he is gonna attack you the most with the negative evil opposite. If you, are, you have the most potential to be a peaceful person, he's gonna grab that, he's gonna twist it, he's gonna crush it in his hand, and he's gonna to present to you anger time and time again. He's gonna to present to you anxiety time and time again. He's gonna grab the good thing that God has for you, crush it in his hand, and present it to you as if it's a brand new thing. Satan cannot create, he can only twist. So what I want us to do is I want us to begin to think about it, not that fear is something that's happening to you, but it's something that we can stop. Anxiety is not just something that's happening to you. It's not out of your control. In the natural, yes, it is. <laughs> just going to be real. In the natural, without the spiritual, you, you can't, you're not going to have to stand a chance against the spirit of fear. But I am so thankful, and I hope you guys are too, that we have Jesus as the glorious image behind us, in us, through us, and around us, to be able to handle the spiritual problems we're facing with spiritual tools and spiritual solutions. I wanna invite the worship team to come back up on the stage as we wrap up here. But in the beginning, in the beginning of my message, I talked about how we are, have to gird up our mind. We have to prepare for action. We have to prepare for the fight. We have to prepare for the hard labor that we are facing. We're getting ready for the fight and the labor ahead of us. And we have to do that by getting us out of bondage. And again, it's not something that we can do on our own. That's not something we can do in our own strength, but we can prepare our hearts. We can prepare our minds and give God an opportunity to speak through us. Let's all stand up tonight as we wrap up here. And just in the time we have left, where there's not a lot of time, I want us to give God an opportunity to do that tonight. So I want every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, that if you in this room feel like you are struggling with a bad root, a bad seed, a stronghold, a spirit, whatever you wanna call it, if you feel like that's something you're struggling with, no one looking around, all eyes closed, if what I'm saying is resonating with you, I just want you to raise your hand up right now. If this is something you feel like is a struggle for you, I just wanna tell you that God has freedom for you. God has something new for you. What Satan tried to twist, you should see that as an honor because Satan saw something inside of you and he said, that's dangerous to my plans. I need to stop that with everything I can. What Satan has tried to use to attack you with, you should walk boldly and confidently and you should be honored by that because Satan saw you as a threat to his kingdom of darkness. He said, I need to stop that and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to stop that. So Father, I just declare freedom over every heart in this room. Holy Spirit, fill us up tonight. 
Uproot the bad seeds in our life. Uproot the bad roots. Destroy the strongholds in our life. We cast out any spirit of fear that is inside of us tonight. We cast out any spirit of anxiety that's inside of us tonight, any spirit of lust, any spirit of anger, whatever we're going through. Jesus, I thank you for equipping us and giving us spiritual ability, giving us responsibility, giving us authority to tread over snakes and scorpions in this place. Something I always say when I'm praying over Elevate for the night. I say every person, every child of God, every single person on this planet is welcome to walk through Elevate's front door but not a single evil spirit is allowed in this place. I say, if you came in with bondage, we will take you as you are. We will love you as you are. No matter what, you are always welcome here. But I just want you to know we're gonna be aggressive at setting you free. And that starts with you being open and giving God an opportunity to move inside of you. There's nothing special about us. There's nothing we can do to do that. You have to open up your heart. You have to open up your mind. You have to allow Jesus to dig out the roots. You can't do it on your own. If you could, it would have been done. I know what fear is like. I know what anxiety is like. I know what lust is like. It sucks. If you could, you would. But you can't, so Jesus can. So tonight, let's open up our hearts to him, and let's give him an opportunity to move inside of us.